Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit that as the scriptures are read and your word proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. And let God's people say, Amen. Our reading this morning is from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising, and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So it feels like we're, we're doing this a little bit in reverse, but today marks the last big moment in the Christmas season that it's Epiphany Sunday where we celebrate the wise men coming and it's an interesting story. And part of what makes the narrative interesting is that the only place that we find it is in Matthew. Nobody else has any mention of anybody coming and honoring Christ as a child. Now that's not to say that it means that Matthew must have had some sort of special purpose or Matthew must have had some sort of special knowledge, but it may have been that Matthew is the only one that found this event to be highly important to the story he wanted to tell. And the thing is that we usually end on that moment of they were warned in a dream, so they went back by another road, and we stopped there. But as we heard last week, there were a lot of things that went wrong after these wise men showed up. But it got me to thinking about how little we actually know about them and how little we know about their trip, and how little we know about why they came. And it seems like the more questions we have, the more things that are left open, and the more things we try to fill in. Because as the story goes on, we get upset that there's not enough detail. One of the big things that we do is we decide to put a number on them we decide that there were three wise men because they had three gifts. 
But nowhere does Matthew actually say how many showed up. Only that we know there was more than one. We don't know where they came from. The best we have is that they came from the east, and they returned to the east. But we don't know how far east. We do know that it was a pretty long journey, because there's a two-year span from when the star appeared to when they showed up. Now, we don't know if the star showed up early and they began to follow it, or if the stars showed up and it took them two years to finally get there. When they show up, they show up and find them in a house. Not our usual scene of the wise men showing up in a stable. We don't know their names. We give them names when we try to tell stories about them because it makes it a little easier for us to relate to them. And the problem is that suddenly when we look at this, we have a story about unknown wise men from an unknown country that traveled an unknown amount of time, and there's an unknown number of them, and when they leave, they return to an unknown land. And it makes you start to wonder, what's the point of this strange visit? That they bring these odd gifts for a baby. I don't know any child that really needs gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But the question arises, what do we make of this visit? And I think the amount that we don't know speaks volumes to what we should be paying attention to. Last week we talked about what happened afterwards. And I think that this gives us an excellent lesson on unintended consequences. Now we know that they had a plan when they set out. They knew that the star had appeared, and they knew it appeared because there was going to be a new king. And they knew that something big was happening, and so they set out with the sole purpose of being able to come and honor this newborn king. And they left with the best of intentions. And they planned the best they could. They didn't just go wandering about and searching everywhere. They decided, well, we should go find somebody who knows. And so the plan was, they leave their home, they find somebody who should know where this newborn king would be born, and they go find him. It leads us to a great what if. And it's one of our favorite things to do, is to ask, what if? And it's, what if they had known what would happen because of their journey? What if they knew that showing up would result in genocide? What if they knew that showing up would cause mass destruction and cause this newborn king and his family to have to flee the country, frightened for their lives, leaving devastation in their wake? The problem is that there's no way they could have known. And I started thinking about that. 
Because their best plans caused a lot of harm that they never saw coming. But how could they? How could they know? How could they know what was going to happen simply for seeking somebody that they thought was supposed to bring peace and that gave them so much joy to find? How could they know what was going to happen because of their visit? And they couldn't. The thing is that their visit represents something far greater than the act of a few people showing up with gifts. With the best of intentions, they set out to serve God and to honor God. And they didn't know what would happen because they weren't God. If we play with that what if, we could say, well, maybe they never came. And maybe Herod learned from some other way. Except maybe he learned a few years down the road. And now, instead of every boy child two and under, it's every boy child four and under, and he expands the range in which he decides this needs to happen to make sure that this newborn king gets swept up in it. Maybe he finds out exactly where they are. We don't know, because we aren't God. And I think that the biggest thing from this strange visit is sometimes all we can do is act on our best intentions and serve God. They could have hesitated, wondering about all the variables and all the different things that could happen, but they did the best they could with what they had. Once they found out that there was going to be trouble, they were smart enough to know not to go back. But they had no reason to expect all of this destruction and this terrible thing to happen because they were simply looking for a way to honor this newborn king that was supposed to bring peace and supposed to bring happiness and supposed to bring joy. And I think that's the most important thing we can get from this. These weren't people seeking to glorify themselves. If they were, we would have their names. If they were seeking fame and fortune for themselves and to be saying, oh, well, we came to honor the king, so make sure you write our names down so that you remember we're the ones that honored him, we would know where they came from. We would know who they were. We would know how long it took them to get there, and we would have much more of their story. But the important part was their actions. Because they weren't looking for recognition for themselves. They were looking to recognize a Savior. To give gifts, not that somebody would write down whose name was on the tag and make sure that it was written down for everyone to remember forever who gave the gift. The important part was who was getting the gift. Now we're left with all sorts of unknowns as to what happened to those gifts. Personally, I always like to think that those odd gifts 
those expensive gifts, would have been used to fund their time fleeing from Israel. That the escape to Egypt was made possible by these gifts. That their ability to stay alive and to be able to return someday was made possible by the generosity of these strangers. The generosity of people who simply wanted to give for the sake of honoring God saved us all. Maybe that's what Matthew had in mind. When others weren't sure what to make of this story, Matthew saw it and said, I get it. They came to do what they saw as right, simply to be doing what was right. And they gave without counting the cost. They made the journey without knowing where the destination would be. They went to honor God without knowing who exactly they were going to go honor. They went to give without expecting to receive anything in return. And they went not expecting to be honored or remembered. They went simply to pay homage. We can't predict everything that will happen in our lives. We can't predict every outcome that may happen because of our actions. We may be able to plan how we're going to get somewhere and how to do it the best we can, but we can't plan on every little thing that may change in every way that people may respond. What we can do is make sure that the focus of our actions always remains the same. Not to glorify ourselves. Not to make others remember who we are. But that in all that we are and all that we do, we lift up God. That we lift up God's love and God's grace. That in all that we are and all that we do, we dedicate ourselves to doing God's work. Not worrying about people remembering who we are, but remembering that God is with us. Because isn't that the important part? It doesn't matter if 20 years from now people remember my name and remember what I said if they can remember that God is with us. If someone else borrows my word, if somebody else speaks the same thing down the line and nobody remembers who I am as long as people remember that God is with us, then my work was exactly what I was looking for. Because the story will go on. Every strange visit that we have in our own lives, somebody that we may meet in passing and not remember their name, 
somebody who gives anonymously and helps us in a time of need, people that may pass in and out of our lives that we may not fully remember later on, but we remember what they did. And remember the impact that they made by reminding us that God is with us. So whether there were three wise men or thirty, whether they showed up on the day of Christ's birth or two years later, wherever they may have been from, we remember why they came. To love God, to honor God, to serve God. And we let that be the thing that guides us. And the thing that we remember about Christmas. We come to serve and we come to give. And we give our all because Christ gave His all in service to us. And that we are all bound together in God's grace and love and mercy. Let that be the focus in this new year. Let that be the thing that guides us and the thing that carries us forward. Not for our own glory, but for God's. Not for our own purposes, but for God. And may God be remembered forevermore. Amen.